0: Welcome to Mugglecaster weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric.
1: I'm Micah.
2: And I'm Mora.
0: And this week, we'll be doing a character discussion on Hermione Granger in celebration of her birthday on September 19th. This episode's coming a little later than we had planned, but last week we were hearing about some secrets of Dumbledore, so we had to do an episode on all of that. But today... Concerning Hermione, we'll discuss a few of her personality traits, her academic prowess, and her perceptiveness. So lots to get to today concerning Hermione. But first, we do have a couple quick updates about Secrets of Dumbledore. First of all, I don't know why this didn't come out with the actual announcement, announcement, but now WB has decided that Secrets of Dumbledore will be released in the UK and Ireland on April 8th. 2022. That's a week earlier than the U.S. and other countries around the world are going to get it. I hope they don't. Why spoil would they us? do this?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> keep the secrets, everybody.
0: Yeah, this is an opportunity for them to sell like keep the secrets buttons. But you know, I got a text from somebody we know after they heard this news, who lives in America, and they said, "I'm thinking of flying over to the U.K. to see the movie a week early. Am I crazy?" I said, "Yeah, you're crazy. Yeah. Don't fly over to the UK just to see the movie a week early.
3: That to me would be too much money towards this cause. I want to see this movie. I will go to a matinee if I have to, and you know, so that we can cover it on MuggleCast. But that'll be it. I maybe yes. plan a vacation around it if you're going to make the trip, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: or maybe it'll move up a week earlier." Yeah,
3: why would they do that? Every movie is released globally now. I mean, different countries, sure, slightly different release dates, but among the Western countries between the US and the UK, why would they do this? Did they ever do that for Harry Potter?
0: I don't think so. In fact, that makes it all the more confusing because they know that Harry Potter is like a global event and Harry Potter fans will want to discuss it online and now they can't. We weren't intending on spending so much time on this, but now I'm like, wait, this is really strange.
3: Yeah. I mean, there was a London release, really, like a, a red carpet premiere. The premieres were different right. weekends, but that yeah. was not the worldwide release of the film.
2: Maybe they've done some audience testing on UK versus US audiences to gauge how well certain things are going to land. We know, for example, that the awkward Voldemort hug from Deathly Hallows Part 2 Seemed to have resonated a lot better in the UK than it did in the US. Here in the US, we all thought it was hilarious, I guess, in Wait, the UK. Wait, is that true? Yeah, Tom Felton was talking about this.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so maybe they think the UK audience will be more receptive towards the film, and then they can go out on social media and be like, this film's amazing and perfect. And then the Amer- Americans are going to get their hands on it and be like, that sucked.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> what is sad, sad if true.
0: There were no cheeseburgers in that movie. <laughs> I, an American, hate it for that reason. Put that porg in a burger. Uh, Not porg. This isn't Star Wars. Put that Niffler in a burger, please. (laughs) Niffleroni.
3: I haven't thought about porgs in like eight years. (laughs)
2: They think US audiences are just trolls. I just looked up. They're just waiting mm -hmm. for us to rip the movie apart.
1: (laughs) There is no holiday in the UK on the 15th. I thought maybe that could be a reason, but- Nope.
0: All right. Well, we'll continue investigating, but we have to move on. Micah, you've been thinking about that synopsis that Secrets of Dumbledore released last week because it was bothering you because you thought it was really boring, right?
1: Well, I think we all thought it it lacked a bit. That's fair to say. Mm -hmm. And there was really no mention of any secrets given the title of the movie. And I mean, how can you sell a movie if you don't include the most important part of the title? In the synopsis, right? Mm-hmm. So I decided I would try my hand. I know nothing about the third movie, right? I mean, maybe a few mm-hmm. things if I can make sense of Crimes of Grindelwald, but you know, I'm not somebody who's seen like a, a test screening of this movie, so I just trying my hand at it. And I, I'm interested to get your feedback. I'm open to suggestions here. I'm excited. It's going to be great. One of the Wizarding World's most notorious families harbors secrets so dark- their truths could alter the course of history. A blood pact sealed, a sister sacrificed, a brother reborn, and the dark wizard Gellert Grindelwald was witness to it all. A chess master now moving each piece to his advantage. With time running out, Dumbledore must ask too much for Newt's commander to awaken the Order of the Phoenix and stem the rising tide of evil.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. Wow. I want to
3: see that movie. I want to give that movie my money. Well done, Micah. Thank you. You're a good writer. Thank
1: you. Well, Laura's fanfic episode, I think, really uh, sparked something.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it really it got within. your creative juices going. You found your It memes. really did. You know... Micah, I don't know if you just heard that email notification, but I think Warner Brothers is trying to hire you now. They're like, Micah, come fix the marketing for this franchise.
1: (laughs) Oh, I mean, I'd be happy Uh, to. I've been going back and forth a little bit with Chris Rankin on Twitter. And so I'm kind of excited to post this and see what he thinks, because also Warner Brothers is tagged in that post. I didn't realize they were uh, because I responded to their (laughs) synopsis. But we'll see what happens.
0: All right. And actually, you got, speaking of emails, you got an interesting email this week, Micah.
1: Yeah, I did. So apparently, as of October, which is tomorrow, while we're recording here, uh, Wizarding World Gold is going to be no more. And uh, I got an email a couple days ago letting me know this. It's actually that uh, as of the 27th, Wizarding World Digital LLC will no longer sell Harry <laughs> Potter fan club gold memberships and existing gold subscriptions will not renew after this date. Now, we can talk about the marketing aspect of this afterwards, but I'll just read a little bit more and and I saved you all from the other like five paragraphs that all sound very
0: 5 paragraphs They're all very oh
1: legal. Like in nature. Oh, why? As your gold membership is due to expire or auto renew after the 27th, this means you will not be able to renew when your current subscription term ends, although you will still be able to access and use your gold membership benefits until the end of your current subscription, which is on the 11th of November.
3: Yeah. Remind me again, what are the current benefits that you're still able to use?
1: You
0: get some discounts
3: online.
0: You got the pins at particular physical locations. You Pretty got probably. a new physical gift every year, which I think is for like two years. Year one was at journal. Year two may have been like a pin set. They totally they stole that
3: idea by from us, by the way. But
0: <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> so but I remember when they announced this premium membership, which was seven to 80, $70 to eighty dollars. We were like, that's way too expensive. And that's really not in line with what Harry Potter's about. It was just a cash grab. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like
3: they made it, they did it, the <laughs>
0: Well, the, the cash has been grabbed for <laughs> like, yeah, well, but the idea was for it to run for several years, yeah, not only last a year or two
1: now, what's interesting is that later on it says, if you're happy to have your gold membership extended, then you don't have to do anything. It will automatically continue until the twenty seventh of october twenty twenty two but this completely contradicts what they just said in the opening paragraph. It's just very confusing. So this
0: upcoming year will be the final year, I guess, is what they're saying. Right,
1: at no additional charge. Oh. This is going away as a service. Yes. If you're wanting to receive the benefits for an additional year because you're upset that they're just letting you know this a couple weeks in advance, then you can renew essentially for free. Mm -hmm.
0: So I don't think we should spend too much time on this because clearly it's been a flop. But, you know, they tried it. It didn't work. I'm glad to see them not pursuing it because it was, th- it wasn't offering anything particularly good anyway. And I think I said at one point, this might be more interesting if like there was some new Harry Potter content coming out right now, like a TV series or something, and you get like early access to the TV show or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this just, there, there's nothing here that's exciting.
1: Look, it got, uh, Eric and I. Uh, a couple of pins at uh, the store in New York because you needed to- That's true. And I was actually surprised at the number of people that did have that on their phone when they were going through and kind of scanning the little QR codes around the store. So it may have Mm -hmm. been more successful than we think, but not successful enough business-wise for them to continue. And like I said, this email was just, it lacked any sort of wizarding world type of feel to it it was just very corporate and
0: the lawyers were all over it the lawyers wrote <laughs> definitely yeah. wrote
1: this and i just wanted to know generally do you guys think and and i understand this was a premium service but do you think this is maybe a little bit indicative of larger issues for the franchise i
0: think people have there there are definitely swaths of people who have backed out of harry potter and you know Myself included, I was a gold member just so I could see what it was all about. And I didn't renew. And I'm sure there's many people just like me who are not renewing because they're turned off by what JK Rowling's been up to. Um, and also, it just wasn't, you know, a particularly tempting product. So
2: I think that's a big part of it. I never signed up for this because it never tempted me, even just based off of the early offerings. Right um and i think too it's another example of something that has been somewhat of a flop in this franchise so does it mean that this particular thing is indicative of larger problems maybe not but i think that it shows that there are examples of items that this um you know have been rolled out for this franchise that have not landed and they will not hesitate to take them off the market after a couple of years if they're not successful. Yeah. So at least they're not letting these things die on the vine, you know. True. They're at least right. a- ending yeah. them. Um, but I would argue that, you know, maybe if they had dug a little deeper to find out what things fans might actually want something like this could have been a lot more successful.
1: I agree.
0: Maybe they'll bring something like this back or maybe make something more affordable. It's also a lot to ask people to pay $75 for a year. for And for what? For discounts to like the Cursed Child merchandise store in New York. If you live in Oklahoma, that's not really appealing.
1: Right. right. Yeah, I, I think they really missed the mark with digital offerings. I think they could have done a lot more there and they just didn't work out.
0: All right. Well- R.I.P. Wizarding World Gold. Let's talk about Hermione, Laura.
2: Yeah, so I was really excited that we had an opportunity to do a deep dive character discussion on Hermione. I don't think we've gotten to do one in quite some time. And as we've shown on this show over the past few years, there's a lot more that we can get from these discussions as we age a little bit, right? Like our conversation about any of these main characters probably looked really different 15 years ago than it does now. So diving right in, celebrating Hermione Jean Granger, she was born on September 19th, 1979. I think this is a coincidence. I don't think this was intentional, but September 19th is also uh, international talk like a pirate day. So...
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, I don't think that's intentional. Uh, How is that even a coincidence? How is that? (laughs) What could you say that would be like? Yeah, that, Laura. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I just mean I don't see. I I don't know if I could make a literary connection there.
3: Well, we, right. Uh, Hermione Granger Arr. is all the in my head. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not going to stop thinking about how we're talking about Miss Granger. Well,
2: bring on all the pirate jokes throughout this episode. I think that would be perfect. <laughs> OK, Um. so interestingly, I noted um, because we're going to talk about the name origin of Hermione here and we'll get into some of the Greek origin. But I looked it up and in 1996, Hermione ranked number 974 in England and Wales in terms of mm. uh, births. There were 21 babies born in 1996 named Hermione in England and Wales. And I wonder if that's changed because we know the books were published shortly after that.
3: Absolutely. I mean, talk about obscurity, number 969.
2: Yeah. Sheesh. I think it's interesting, though, because Hermione, I don't think it's a name, especially on this side of the pond, that we would expect to see outside of a literary setting but it's not no a non-existent name with our british friends on the other side of the atlantic so um it was just
0: and we know that people who are consumed by certain pop culture do pull names from these stories And name their children Mm -hmm. after them. And their pets, for that matter. Pets especially. I always think of Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. Oh my gosh. (laughs) A lot of people named their daughters Khaleesi. Khaleesi. Yep. Right. And then she turned out pretty bad.
2: Yes, she did. Um, That was unfortunate. However, for (laughs) anyone who named their daughter Hermione after um, our favorite book, Smart... Uh, incredibly perceptive uh, person without whom Harry and Ron definitely would have died in book one. Um, I think we can all agree on that to start. Um, Mm -hmm. I think your daughter is set up for success with that name.
0: No regrets there. (laughs) Right.
2: Uh, Well, diving a little bit more on the name origin, though, we know that Hermione means princess of Hermes. It's a feminine given name derived from the Greek messenger god Hermes, uh, Hermes is prominently worshipped as a messenger, often described as the messenger of the gods, since he can convey messages between the divine realms, the underworld, and the world of mortals. What additional meaning can we derive from this?
0: Well, if gods are all knowing, Hermione's all knowing, delivering messages from the gods, I love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was thinking when you were reading that, Laura, that when you're talking about being the one that conveys messages between the realms, thinking that she's a muggle and she's has this magical ability, and now she's obviously part of the wizarding world, the fact that she goes between these two worlds, um, I think there's something there to
3: that. I like that a yeah. lot. She really does bridge the two worlds in a certain way. Even though Harry was raised by Muggles, Hermione's the one that's held up to be the sort of representative Muggle in the trio because Hermione's not, you know, the chosen one. And so she's the one with Muggle parents. She's the one that takes Muggle studies. She's the one that. You know, and the other other sort of world that she traverses is the world of (laughs) learning and knowledge, which she then kind of brings the messaging to Harry and Ron of the information that she's learned. Neither Harry nor Ron are necessarily as studious as she. So she is somewhat of a messenger, I guess in many ways, and a bridge between worlds for our heroes.
2: Agreed. Yeah, I think that's such a great point, especially thinking about, you know, Goblet of Fire, where she's kind of having to bounce back and forth between Harry and Ron for a while when they're fighting. I'm not an
3: owl. Oh, sorry. Impressions <laughs> later, but still.
2: Yep. <laughs> well, we know also that her bog art is failure. That's an intense bog art to have. I mean, we see it represented or we hear about it secondhand from Hermione when she talks about how hers was Professor McGonagall telling her she'd failed all of her exams. <laughs> Which, I mean, we can laugh at now, right? With time and distance from our own schooling days. But imagine.
3: Oh, 100%.
2: Yeah. Being that young. Yeah. And having your art be failure. That's quite a load to have on your shoulders when you're that young.
3: That might
0: be a somewhat common nightmare that some people yeah. have here in the Muggle world. Any sort of failure. I find it
1: very mature that she, her bogart would be failure at that young of an age, mm-hmm.
0: because she knows what failure can lead to. She knows the importance of success. Yeah, and at that age,
1: it it actually reminded me of Newt when it's the
3: office desk job that shows up. And right. <laughs> Like, how old is he to right. be fearing, you know, that?
2: Yeah, but imagine having enough self-awareness at that age to know that about yourself, to be like, Ooh. I could never work a desk job.
3: That's that's the interesting thing. If Newt, in particular, were scared of a desk job, it means there must have been, at that early age, it means there must have been family pressure to have a desk job. Like, it makes sense for adult Newt to fear that because his his brother, who's a little brother- outshines him. So for Hermione to have at a young age, a fear of failure, it kind of makes me wonder more about Mr. and Mrs. Granger DDS, about what kind of expectations they had for Hermione. I mean, movie parents of Hermione just seem to be very supportive, jovial, etc. But I wonder if there was really a strive for results in her schooling leading up to hogwarts the first five grades or four forms whatever you want to say i wonder if they were hard on her i wonder if she it because it can't all be internalized i want to do well maybe her parents really did want her to be the best and she's worried about letting them down
2: yeah yeah could be hmm. i also wonder and this will be something we dive into a little later in this discussion but to your point eric i also wonder how much of it is internalized pressure based on maybe her feeling a little bit inadequate because she didn't know that she was magical. She found out and within the space of a couple of months of finding that out, she was expected to go off to the school that no one in her life had ever heard of. And she was expected to be able to take on this role as a witch. So we see that she's like already memorized all of her books before her first ever term at Hogwarts and it seems like, at the very least, it's fair to say that Hermione puts a great deal of pressure on herself because she's afraid of being inadequate.
1: Yeah. To go off of that, I would say it, it there must be something f- with her that drives her to want to succeed at such a high level beyond just her parents, I think. And, and to your point, Laura, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that She's one of a kind really. We don't hear about too many other witches or wizards at Hogwarts that are from muggle parents. Right. It's just not something that's overly talked about doesn't mean that they don't exist, but it seems like she's on a little bit of an island by herself and maybe she feels a very strong desire to have to prove herself as a result of that. Agreed.
2: Right. Well, we know she's Muggle-born. She's a Gryffindor. She becomes a prefect in book five, and she later marries Ron Weasley. But before that, she was the only member of the trio to return to Hogwarts to complete her seventh year post-second Wizarding War. That was something that I always found kind of interesting. You know, it is a tidbit that we find out about outside of the books. I believe that was Pottermore, or Potter Potter no more they gave us that information is that right
3: I think that's accurate it definitely came from the author um or maybe maybe during a chat maybe during an interview i find it interesting because of how optional the seventh year was presented in the books even to us before the seventh book so like with fred and george just up and leaving um you know it kind of always seemed like maybe the seventh year was an open question. So the fact that the, in the books, the world uh, erupts in all out war and and Ron, you know, and Hermione miss their final year of schooling. It's not a natural conclusion to say that like, oh, everyone now has to go back and retake that year. We kind of just think it's not that big of a deal that said, if somebody did go back, it would be Hermione.
2: Right. Right. It's definitely in character for her and continuing in you know, that line of character. We know that she works at the Ministry of Magic. She worked there to further the cause of better treatment for house elves. She was then promoted to the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, where she dedicated herself to eradicating old laws that were biased in favor of pure bloods. And by 2019, she became the Minister of Magic. Pretty massive accomplishment.
0: (laughs) Definitely. We learned that last bit about her becoming the Minister of Magic in The Cursed Child, and I went to the very first public showing of that play, and when she announces that, the crowd just erupted. Everybody was just so <laughs> excited to hear that. Oh, that's one of those memories that will like always stick with me. Just the way Noma delivered that line, and then everybody went. Aah!
2: Again, it's it, it's a really natural piece of character progression for Hermione. Um. It, And I don't even think that you could argue that it's fan service because it just fits. Yeah. It just fits. It's just right. Well, I I wanted to peel back the layers of Hermione's academic prowess to kind of go a little deeper, learn a little more about her. And I thought we could start with her decision to return to Hogwarts after the war and work our way back a little bit through the series. So why do we think Hermione felt the need to complete her education? would it be reasonable to say that Hermione probably could have gone on and done all the other things we know she did in her career without that seventh year at Hogwarts? Yes. See,
0: I'm no Hermione, but if I spent six years studying at Hogwarts and I only had one more year to actually complete, I would absolutely go back for that final year. I couldn't live with myself knowing I spent all that time studying, and we know Hermione, most of all, is you know very adamant about her studies from mm-hmm. from the get go. I-, I can completely understand why she would want to come back. It just it wouldn't feel right to me to not complete my career at Hogwarts, even though I was capable of succeeding without that degree or full completion.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm a completionist too. Um, <laughs> so even if it felt a little bit redundant. To be doing a seventh year of school after I had just, come, you know, defeated or aided in the defeat of the darkest wizard of all time, (laughs) I would still feel like I needed to go just to finish, just to check that box and also to have a little breathing room between, you know, fighting a war and then looking for a career. I feel like a year of school would be less pressure.
0: Well, and also on on a personal level. Hermione presumably loved Hogwarts, and in a way, she mm-hmm. was robbed of a year that everybody normally gets. So, right, right. I would also go back simply because to just to get in one more year.
1: Right. I, I was going to actually compare it to what a lot of students have gone through with COVID and not getting the opportunity to finish, whether it was their last year of high school or their last year of college, and if they want to having the opportunity to go back and do that, because you miss out on a lot of things as a result of it. And and I agree that she definitely missed out on what we don't even know as readers. We don't know what a normal seventh year at Hogwarts is like. We don't know what cool things they get to do or classes they may get to take or things that were just taken from us as readers because we were off in the forest somewhere for 50 chapters.
2: <laughs> That's such a good point. Somebody write a fan fiction about Hermione's seventh year at Hogwarts, please.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's going to be awkward because all the underclassmen that we know, like the, like, you know, I was going to say the crevies, but I'm not sure about that. But the, uh, but yeah, all the underclassmen are going to be like, she's going to be like their classmates. It's going to be weird.
2: Yeah. Hermione and Ginny will be in classes together. Uh-oh.
3: Okay, that would actually
0: be cool. That would be cool. How about that for a TV show? A couple of people who are listening live on our Patreon right now are wondering if seventh years have senioritis. I guess I could see that. I'm God,
2: Yeah, I think so. Because they're seniors after four years. Yeah. And they're also preparing for their newts, right? That's when they take those.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's rough.
3: Aren't now we know you become a prefect in the fifth year, but do you become head boy and head girl only in the seventh year?
2: I think so.
3: I, I think that's what my brain is telling me. So if you ever had aspirations to be head boy or head girl, that would be a cool kind of thing to stick around for the seventh year for. Uh, granted, I don't know what the benefits tangibly are, but-
0: That is correct. It's seventh years only. Eric's so. brain was telling him that, and fandom.com is telling me that. <laughs>
1: Smooth. Also, I think she would want a degree, or whatever the equivalent is from Hogwarts.
2: I agree with that.
3: And the NEWTs. Yeah.
2: I do feel like it's something that kind of rubs me the wrong way, though, uh, where I'm like, did Harry and Ron just not get degrees? I kind of feel like all three of them deserved honorary degrees, bare minimum, after they took Voldemort down.
3: (laughs) Yeah, they're all
2: PhDs,
3: honorary degrees from all the wizarding higher educations.
0: Or just like give them a regular degree, but then add an asterisk and then in small font be like, except for the seventh year, but we're just going to forget about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was a bad year anyway.
1: Did they ever end up with (laughs) Order of Merlin or anything like that for what they did? I'm
2: not sure actually, but I would be surprised if there was no recognition. (laughs) Could you imagine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
3: yeah. Now I'm picturing like the gold medal awarding ceremony at the end of the first Star Wars. Um <laughs> you know, Minister Kingsley giving them all medals. Yeah, I mean I think if like, you know, catching Sirius Black was worthy of Order of Merlin, uh, for Snape, as Fudge seemed to indicate at the end of Prison of Azkaban, then yeah, surely destroying or defeating Voldemort gets everyone a the the, the highest award.
2: Well digging in a little uh further back in the series we kind of see Hermione's development um, throughout demonstrate her ability to balance personal achievement in her academics with what is necessary and urgent, which in this case is defeating evil. What would be one or two key moments in the series where we feel this shift happened in Hermione or we saw her demonstrate this growth? Um, The first one that jumps out at me is the troll fight in Sorcerer's mm. Stone. You know, she ultimately comes out and takes the fall for Harry and Ron because she knows that they came to save her. Whereas prior to that incident, she had followed them out at night, breaking curfew and saying, Oh, hey, you know, when we find Filch, we can tell him that I was trying to stop you and you can back me up. Yeah. So that was a big shift that stuck out to me from pretty early on in the series.
3: I think once she makes that conscious decision to run with Harry and Ron, and they know that they can sort of rely on her to not be too intense about grades, I think that they begin to appreciate her finer qualities, and she begins to appreciate the difference in worlds between them. But the biggest moment where I think she actively has to make a choice between academics you could point to her walking out of divination. Um, Ooh, but yeah. I think it's mostly in book five as well, when, you know, the totalitarian state that Umbridge is really trying to force onto Hogwarts just hits an apex, and Hermione needs to not only figure out how the Dumbledore's army can operate, but to convince her friend, who, Harry, who doesn't want to be teaching, who doesn't, he does, but he doesn't know that he wants to like, He needs an out for his frustration. She has to do all of the work in sort of setting him up and making that all happen. And she's doing that specifically in a way that would be completely against the rules as stated. But at that point, she's just she does not care because she knows that Umbridge does not have the side of goods like, you know, wellness at heart.
2: Great point.
1: One moment, another Sorcerer's Stone moment that I thought of too was when she lights Snape's cloak on fire.
3: Oh,
2: yeah. Love that. That's a teacher.
1: It's a teacher. Regardless of whether or not you think he's responsible for what's happening to Harry, that's a perfect example of doing what's necessary and urgent in the moment to save a friend. And who knows what the repercussions could have been for her doing that. You know, obviously it turned out that Snape was not the one that, that did it, but I got to imagine she threw kind of caution to the wind there to save a friend.
3: Yeah. I like to imagine what kind of search went on for Snape to figure out who the hell lit his cloak on fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, did he care? Did he like-
2: Right. Well, mm. also, I wonder who his number one suspect was. I guarantee it was not Hermione.
1: Mm. Well, it could have been Harry, so-
2: <laughs> you don't think he would have tried to blame him anyway?
3: Probably. X-ray vision?
0: Could he have also considered, like, was it, like, Quirrell's loose cigarette or, like, a loose, I don't know, something else that said is- I forgot Quirrell smoked. That's book canon, totally. <laughs> Maybe
3: Voldemort smokes. His leg could have been severely burned, too. Like, he could have needed a peg leg. There's a pirate reference for you.
2: <laughs> well, early on, even earlier on, we meet- A very intelligent girl who is a very strict rule follower. And I'd like for us to put ourselves in her shoes for a moment and try to defend Hermione's insufferable know it all nature from her early representation in the books. Uh, And to give everybody a little reminder of our first introduction to Hermione, I've pulled this passage from Sorcerer's Stone when she's first meeting Harry and Ron on the Hogwarts Express. She says, I've tried a few simple spells just for practice, and it's all worked for me. Nobody in my family is magic at all. It was ever such a surprise when I got my letter, but I was ever so pleased, of course. I mean, it's the very best school of witchcraft there is, I've heard. I've learned our course books by heart, of course. I just hope it will be enough. I'm Hermione Granger, by the way. Who are you? <laughs> Intense.
0: This <laughs> also l- sounds like uh, Laura during her first day of elementary school.
2: Yeah, I- I'm not going to lie. So... <laughs> Part of this conversation, it is something I wanted to bring up that especially as a young girl reading these books, I really identified with Hermione. I don't think that I was quite as bookish as she's represented to be. And I wasn't quite uh, such a rule follower (laughs) as she is this Mm -hmm. early on in the books. But um, she was definitely the character that when I read the book, I saw myself in her and we'll talk yeah. a little bit later about why that kind of representation is important. But let's talk about this version of Hermione that we see early on. Do we understand why she feels this way? Why she acts this way?
3: Hmm. <laughs> I think I'm guilty of having, Megan, and I call this the too much gene. Uh, and definitely when I was younger, not really understanding how you come off to others, your excitement, your raw passion, your bare bones, you know, kind of just inner self. And that gets tapered that, that or tempered when you grow older. And when you start to interact with people, when you're in a social setting and things start to matter a little bit more, you kind of, it's not that you hide yourself away, but what we're getting in the scene from Hermione is like the unmitigated, like just complete pureness of her because she probably because she's nervous also because she's never even spoken to wizards before like you know i think that you're just getting this raw unchecked feed directly into her brain which just speaks to her excitement and her innermost self
0: it's a clean slate like all of us as kids we're we're off on a we're starting off on a clean slate the world is our oyster nothing can go wrong And to your point, Eric, over time, the world begins to crush you. But there was another word you used (laughs) there. Passion. Passion. Yeah. Hermione is passionate about studying at Hogwarts. She's excited. And when you are so passionate and excited, you're going to be open about your knowledge. You're proud of this knowledge you're collecting. You've been accepted to Hogwarts. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. You didn't expect it. It's extremely exciting. So you want to study everything. And then when you go off and talk about how I've practiced spells already, it's all worked for me. You just want to share your love for the opportunity that is in front of you.
3: That's such a great point, Andrew. I just had a flashback to how we must have sounded as new Harry Potter fans to literally anybody that would listen to us talk about Harry Potter.
2: Yeah, I have to think about that, too, because I remember as you know, a child and a teenager, I talked about Harry Potter so much, and I obviously <laughs> still do. But it doesn't quite match the level of where I was when the books were still being released. And there was a ton of theorizing happening. And I remember it was like pretty much the only thing I wanted to talk about. And I have to think that there were some adults in my life who got tired of it. But (laughs) thankfully, everybody humored me. Something that also sticks out to me about Hermione kind of based on this and based on some of the conversation we've had so far about her evolution, uh, she's an only child, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, she's, In, canonically, yeah. yes.
2: Yeah, she's the only child of Muggle parents. So up until this moment, who has she had to relate to who can understand what she's going through? Wow.
1: Right. <sighs> yeah. I I thought yeah. it was a great point, too, Andrew, about what you said. I, I think she's just excited. And... Mm-hmm. There's definitely, I know she doesn't have any siblings, but I think when she gets into this setting, she's very eager to prove herself. And in that quote, you really see that shine through, especially because she's coming from a background where she has nothing to compare this to, right? She's trying things out. She wants to make sure that her first impression is a really good one, no matter who it's on. And she wants to show up ready. And she's got to imagine that all these other kids that she's going to be going to school with have had years of experience ahead of her just from living with wizarding families.
2: Right. Yeah. Maybe there's a little, you know, mixed in with that excitement. Maybe she's there's competitive. a little bit of, yeah, there, she's competitive. Maybe there's a little imposter syndrome going on because she understands there's some lived experience in this world. She just doesn't have yet. I know I would feel that way if I were in her position. So I think when we get these early examples of Hermione in the books maybe coming across a little annoying, that might have more to do with (laughs) Harry's perception than with her as a character, right?
3: Yeah, fair enough. It's like, who is this girl? Especially before she's friends with them. Especially then, it's like, who? where does she even come from where does she she memorized the school books already but i'm like but didn't we all know
1: somebody like that and wouldn't we have all had that same type of thought as harry at least initially before we got to know
3: her or or if it was a guy before we got to know him like i just feel like absolutely i i think what you realize as you go older is passion is currency that's really where it's all where, where character is built. The foundation on which character is built is passion for something. And as a kid, you're repulsed by somebody being bolder or different than you. But as you grow older, it's like, Oh shit. Like this person's actually, it may be different than me, but it's, it's cool. They're with it. They're interested and they follow this. It's just an interesting perspective thing that changes as time goes on, just as Harry and Ron, come to quite quickly rely on Hermione for (laughs) her skills yeah
2: yeah we could really rename each of the books after Hermione if we wanted to and maybe that's something that we can do and revisit on a future episode like Mm. Hermione Granger and helping Harry Potter pass the poison test to get the (laughs) sorcerer's stone or something like that. Um, or Hermione what a Granger. a selling point! Hermione
3: Granger does what uh, decades of professors, including the headmaster, including Dumbledore, couldn't do, and discovers what <laughs> Slytherin's monster is and everything about how to. Y'all, yeah, let work. let Mike
0: come up with the titles. He came yeah, oh, he, earlier. Sorry, in the sorry, sorry, he's Micah, way sorry. At this. I
3: did
1: rename the whole series, if you remember. I forget what I yeah. was it about right. though. Is it just like making it as clean cut as possible, right?
2: It was dumbing it down for
3: American audiences. Oh, that's (laughs) right. right. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I couldn't be as good as Micah. (laughs) No, good efforts. Good efforts. Let's
0: take a quick break because I want to tell you about this week's sponsor, Green Chef. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. So premium ingredients like organic veggies and high quality proteins are a given in their meal kits. Green Chef's expert chefs design flavorful meals that go way beyond ordinary, no matter what's on your menu. Choose from 30 easy-to-follow recipes every week with options for keto, paleo, and plant-powered diets, as well as meals to help you eat in a more balanced way. Green Chef's experts curate every recipe, and with all these meal choices each week and the flexibility to switch plans, you'll never have to sacrifice taste for nutrition. You can enjoy restaurant-quality dishes in the comfort of your own home. Just last night, I made spicy mushroom stir-fry, and it was so good! In fact, their meals never disappoint me. They offer fun twists in all their meals to surprise and delight you, and you'll be thinking of them for weeks after because they are just that good and original. It's also really fun to try some new things instead of going with your typical food flow week to week. Green Chef is now owned by our other sponsor, HelloFresh, and with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. I love switching between the two meal kits, actually, and now our listeners can enjoy both at a discount. Now it's time to get you some free food. Go to greenchef.com slash MuggleCast100 and use code MuggleCast100 to get $100 off, including free shipping. Again, go to greenchef.com slash MuggleCast100 and use code MuggleCast100 to get $100 off, including free shipping. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, Laura. So let's talk about how perceptive Hermione is. Such a good topic.
2: Yes. So... The reason I wanted us to talk about this is because I think Hermione is hands down the most perceptive member of the trio. And I think it's that perceptiveness that allows her to be the Hail Mary in a lot of instances. It allows her to um, unlock a lot of the puzzles for Harry and Ron and ultimately ensure they don't die. Um Andrew, this is an early example from Sorcerer's Stone, if you wouldn't mind reading it. It's from the Midnight Duel chapter.
0: Yes. Malfoy tricked you, Hermione said to Harry. You realize that, don't you? He was never going to meet you. Filch knew someone was going to be in the trophy room. Malfoy must have tipped him off.
2: And Harry, in this moment, uh, it says something along the lines of like, he chose not to answer her or he ignored her. This is a theme that we see throughout the rest of the series of Hermione making great points and Harry and Ron being frustrated by the fact that they know she's right. Yeah. So here you go, Harry. You should have listened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's also like, it's just so shocking when you this thought never crosses your mind and then somebody gives you the truth very suddenly and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Yeah.
2: Well, and also she was pointing out to him very early on, you shouldn't be going out of, you know, Gryffindor Tower or the Gryffindor Common Room during, you know, quiet hours after our curfew time. You never know what you're going to get into out there. And she was right, ultimately. And what would this duel have proven anyway? I mean, it was literally a schoolyard fight <laughs> that was being mm-hmm. proposed yeah. here. Yeah.
3: Harry would have lost...
2: Probably. Ooh.
3: Yeah. I mean, Malfoy, Harry kind of almost loses the duel in the next year. You know, I mean, if you mm-hmm. really think about it, his Parseltongue saves him. But Malfoy's just had too much practice. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, Eric, I'm wondering yeah. if you can take this next excerpt from Order of the Phoenix.
3: Sure. This is my favorite. I'm so glad we we're just talking about Hermione on this. There was some important stuff hidden in the waffle, said Hermione grimly. Was there, said Ron blankly. How about progress for progress's sake must be discouraged? How about pruning wherever we find practices that ought to be prohibited? What does that mean? Said Ron impatiently. I'll tell you what it means, said Hermione ominously. It means the ministries interfering at Hogwarts.
2: Such a great moment. (laughs) It's like a mic drop moment um, because this is following a pretty lengthy speech from Dolores Umbridge where... She's honestly speaking in a lot of, like, corporate government speak, and it it seems like it's intentional to put the students to sleep or to make people zone out, but we can always count on Hermione to be the one paying attention, even if everyone else in the room thinks, eh, this isn't important. She's always going to be there to, you know, lend a critical eye or ear, in this case, to the conversation.
3: Well, it's literally, isn't this what McGonagall says later when Harry summarizes it? Yep. She's like, well, I'm glad at least that Hermione Granger pays attention.
2: Yeah, no, I think <laughs> she, she was like, I'm glad you listened to Hermione Granger at least. And at I was like, rate, me too, Professor McGonagall. Oh
3: my God. <laughs> but it's true. like absolute, Hermione, that's, that's McGonagall pl- paying a very, very heavy compliment to Hermione and everything that Hermione is about. Those two have a lot of love. Uh, For each other, because that it just shows you that Hermione, it's 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 vindication of what Hermione is all about. And it is supposed to clue you, the reader, into, hey, we're going to listen to Hermione in this book because she really gets it. She's
1: pretty integral to the plot of every, or at least the resolution of every single book. Mm hmm. And I'd never even thought of it that way before, but I'm just thinking of examples like obviously discovering the truth about the Basilisk in the Chamber of Secrets, helping to free Sirius by being able to go back in time. If she doesn't have the time turner, they're not able to do that. This this example from Order of the Phoenix, I think just her ability to understand what's going on sort of beneath the surface uh, at Hogwarts. And so – uh, and of course, this next quote, we're going to read from Half-Blood Prince. She had it right on the money early.
2: That's right. And Micah, I was wondering if you could read this one. This is after Hermione suggests that maybe the Half-Blood Prince could be a she instead of a he, and Harry <laughs> scoffs at this suggestion.
1: Well, why not? Harry, there aren't any real princes in the wizarding world. It's either a nickname a made-up title somebody's given themselves, or it could be their actual name, couldn't it? No. Listen, if, say, her father was a wizard whose surname was Prince and her mother was a muggle, then that would make her a, quote, half-blood prince. Yeah, very ingenious, Hermione. But it would. Maybe she was proud of being a half-blood prince.
2: Yep. Right on the money. And I mean... The only argument you could make here is that she had she had the roles reversed, right? It was yeah. Snape's mother that he was proud of sharing half of his lineage with. But she was, you know, very, very close, very much circling the drain on figuring out that mystery. And it's, again, <laughs> another example of how Harry and Ron really disregard her brilliance a lot of times throughout the books. I mean... We also can't forget the fact that she was the one trying to convince Harry that everything he saw in the fire at the end of Order of the Phoenix might have been a trap. Right? And he ended up going to the ministry anyway. Oh, God. If he had listened to her, none of that would have happened.
3: Yep. And I remember going through that chapter by chapter most recently and how hard she fights just to get Harry to check. And it's mm-hmm. unfortunate, but like he hates her for it. He's really, 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 really reticent to even just ask at Grimmauld Place. But they have to develop that whole plan just so Harry can be sure. And you know what? Even though Creature screws it up, it was the right call.
2: 100%. Yeah.
3: it It made me think about when you just said that ring theory laura
1: because obviously they save sirius at the end of prisoner of azkaban but yeah mm-hmm. he ends up biting the dust at the end of order of the phoenix
2: yeah and they wouldn't have been able to save sirius without hermione in prisoner no. of azkaban and if harry had listened to her in order of the phoenix he might have been spared uh, it hurts doesn't it
3: <laughs> yeah yeah it does
2: Well, moving on to some of the media portrayals of the character of Hermione, we of course know that she was portrayed by Emma Watson, but I thought that it would be interesting to look at a couple of ways in which Emma as a person really parallels Hermione as a character. They have a lot in common. Um, She is quite academic herself and grappled with maintaining the busy Potter filming schedule and the pursuit of her own education. Andrew, would you mind reading this quote from David Heyman?
0: Yeah, he said, Emma Watson in particular was quite academic and was very keen in pursuit of schooling and was wrestling a little bit more than the others. So each time there was a negotiation, it was not about a financial matter. It was really about, do I want to be a part of this or should I go back to my studies? I'm paraphrasing that last part.
2: Yeah. And we know that she ended up going to Brown University for a time between, I think it was between the filming of movies five and six. And I believe she took a break to finish filming and then returned to finish her studies. Um, But that, you know, has to have been a really tough choice, you know, for someone who was kind of put into this position as a nine-year-old. You know, that's how young she was when she was chosen for the role. And when you're nine years old, you're not thinking about what you're going to be doing 10 years from now and what you may or may not be in school doing. So I can imagine that this would be a really difficult decision to maintain both of these really busy um, pursuits. But she did. Um, she finished out the whole series, which is pretty miraculous, honestly, that they got through all of those movies with the original cast, with the exception oh, right. of Dumbledore.
0: Right, right. That's extremely impressive. You look at other franchises and that just very rarely happens. But I also wonder if the producers sensed that Emma had some traits of Hermione when they were
3: casting the character. Uh, I wonder if they sensed it. I
2: think so. Probably
3: because, I mean, she is the most Hermione in movies one and two. Like, absolutely just... Right. What people say about Ivana Lynch and and, and Luna, that's Emma and Hermione in the first two movies easily. It just is so... It just reads extremely exact. Um, I'm sure they saw it. But it also speaks to how much, you know, the producers cared to keep emma on they kind of had to i guess probably manufacture ways to make it worth it if if your primary motivation is not money then you need to be presented with a better argument and the better argument could be this is a rewarding experience for me how do you appeal to somebody like that well you create movies that matter you create work that is important that you know, and 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 your friendship with the cast members. And that's, I think, ultimately a summary of why the main three stayed with the series the whole way. But it just does speak to the movies weren't, you know, this huge castor grab. I think everybody making them really wanted to be making the best films they could at the time.
2: Yeah, everyone cared. And that shows. Yeah. Speaking of impressive things, Emma Watson has been a UN Women Goodwill Ambassador since 2014. And she also ran the Feminist Book Club, Our Shared Shelf. I don't know if anyone Mm -hmm. ever checked that out. um, But while it's not currently operational, um, all of the previous recommendations that she's provided to people are still there. So if you're ever looking for some feminist Goodreads, uh, feel free to check that out and we can provide a link to it in the show notes.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Hermione was also portrayed by Lawrence Olivier Award winner Noma dumas in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And I thought we could take a moment here to talk about why this casting was so meaningful to readers, particularly readers who had long interpreted Hermione's race to be non-white or maybe ambiguous. Um, And this is actually a quote by Cameron Glover from her um, editorial, The Cultural Significance of Black Hermione. Like many readers, I saw Hermione as a girl like myself. We had the same hair with a mind of its own. We enjoyed learning and spending our time in books. And we were fiercely loyal to our friends. But having a character I saw like myself take center stage in one of the most important books of my childhood gave me indescribable joy. Black girls are too often left out of the conversation when it comes to equal representation. Though we have a growing presence within popular media, there's still a lack of characters we can identify with that embody traits that go outside of the typical tropes we normally see associated with Black girlhood. And as someone that's not only interested in diversity within media, but as a woman of color myself, seeing Black Hermione is revolutionary. It allows me to see myself in a new light.
0: That was a really, really big day in fandom when Noma was announced as Hermione. Mm. Um it was so great to see a person of color take on a lead role in Harry Potter. The Harry Potter franchise books and films have been very white. And so it was just so refreshing to see them cast Noma because also Hermione is such a well-established character. And there are readers out there who read her as black, but a lot of people didn't. And to go from seeing white Hermione in eight movies to black Hermione in The Cursed Child, it I hate to call it risky, but I think it was risky in that there were going to be people who complained about it. But it doesn't matter. Noma was wonderful and Cursed Child. And also have to note that every Hermione and Cursed Child since Noma has also been Black. I mean, there's no going back from that. That's so. awesome. It's awesome.
2: To be fair to readers who may have interpreted Hermione in this way, there's never an explicit moment in the series where Hermione is described as white. Um, so there was a great opportunity here for... The wizarding world to depict a primary character as being something other than white, um, and it's it's just sort of um, mind-boggling to me that that was an issue for people, especially when I read, um, you know, quotes like Cameron's that we just shared. Showing the very deep impact that it has on other readers and other fans of the Harry Potter world. Why wouldn't you want that for somebody else?
0: Right. Yeah. And Cameron said, we had the same hair with a mind of its own. Remember, and Rowling quoted this part of the books when Mm -hmm. Noma was announced, the bushy hairline. So Rowling, in a way, did write Black Hermione into the books. It was just left up to interpretation. It wasn't one way or the other, definitively.
2: Right. Well, coming back to Hermione here for a moment, as we begin to wrap this conversation up, how do we relate to Hermione as readers? And think about how you related to her the first time you picked up a Harry Potter book versus how you relate to her now.
1: Well, Hermione for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that. I think that. we need to I...
1: talk about this just for a minute yeah. or two because obviously a major issue probably only here stateside. Um, just talking about earlier, Laura, I know you referenced that it is a semi-popular or was a semi-popular name in the UK. It's, it's probably very popular worldwide now. But would we have ever known if we didn't see, get The movies (laughs) you know like i think about that sometimes well we found out in
2: book four um there was that very because of crumb section where she teaches crumb how to say her name um but i definitely (laughs) said it wrong too when i read the first three books um i think i was saying her moan or something like that her moan like i wasn't doing like the eye was completely silent
0: Oh, oh, okay. I think I used to say Hermione.
2: Hermione.
3: Her- read it. Hermione.
2: <laughs> so yeah, so the character
3: you fell in love with had a way different name than, you know, in, in your head than than what it ended up being. I
1: wonder now too, Laura, since you brought up Goblet of Fire, do you think that Rowling included that scene with Crumb because of all the mispronunciations of her name prior to that?
2: I think she actually said that she did. Um yeah that she had heard that some people were having trouble with it. So she very cleverly included that bit to help readers who may still be confused. Um, that's where I learned it from.
3: <laughs>
2: that's definitely <laughs> when I learned how to say Hermione's name. In terms yeah. of
0: relating, uh, I, I guess I would get back to an earlier discussion we were having, her excitement. It's nice to see somebody so excited about going to Hogwarts so early on. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't particularly excited about studying like you were, Laura, in school. So I can't relate there. But maybe just her passion, I think that's something to really admire. And then reading now, I try to think five steps ahead. I'm not perfect, but I attempt to. And I think in some ways, I am pretty darn smart. So I'm more of the street smart person. And Hermione's got some of that. So I guess that's how I can connect with her Mm -hmm. now.
1: Uh, Laura I w- actually wanted to flip this question back on you because I wanted to hear more about what you saw in Hermione having her be such an integral part of the series you know all the qualities that she has you know that are obviously they they stand out really in so many different ways and she shines in many times much more so than harry and ron and and just the importance of that um in in a series as big as harry potter
2: yeah i mean i don't want to steal words from cameron um because the way she put it um you know from her vantage point seeing a black hermione represented some of that does i do feel similar in certain ways about just feeling like I saw a character as a young girl who represented um, values that I liked to think that I also represented or at least attempted to. Um, It was huge. I mean, up until that point, I'm trying to think if I was into any fandom or any show or movie or book that really prominently highlighted you know a, a brainy intelligent critical thinker in a female role and it's hard for me to think of anything before harry potter that did that
3: mm.
2: and really you know as a result you know throughout my my you know childhood and and now my adulthood i still look at hermione as one of my favorite female characters she's not perfect all the time but who amongst us is um And I really like that, you know, I I guess it felt like I was seeing myself in her a little bit. Not in like the, you know, there are certain female characters that you can criticize for being written as two-dimensional. And Mm -hmm. in that, there's an argument that it's easy to project yourself onto that character and see yourself in them. But that's not Hermione, and I think that's what makes her so different than a lot of literary representations of primary female characters, especially at the time these books were written.
3: Mm. Yeah. I mean, Hermione always had an, an air of unpredictability to me as a reader. When I'm reading a Harry Potter book the first time, I don't know how Hermione is going to behave in it. Um, she could always very much surprise me and demand that Harry submit his broom for testing um, <laughs> because it's probably <laughs> cursed. You know, these things surprise me. And I'm not saying I like predicted the other characters' movements, but there's something about... Hermione being this very, very smart, driven girl who hangs around with the boys, isn't lesser for it, kind of almost prefers their company, but manages to outshine everyone that they gain respect for her. But she ultimately is just like well and truly herself, kind of like a fish out of water, but she finds her people and sticks with them that really, you know, in terms of what she brings to the friendship group and in terms of being her own self and never really, I could never pin her down um, myself. I was thinking that that is kind of what was special about Hermione to me while reading the books. But even that was like a long time ago, I can barely remember.
2: What about you, Micah?
3: As
1: a reader, I mean, I think a lot of what we've already talked about, honestly, I didn't mind kind of the, uh, the aggressiveness in terms of showing off in class. I mean, I f- I felt a connection to that almost because I would always be one of those people where if I knew the answer and I knew probably a lot of the rest of the class didn't, I would make a point of raising my hand and doing it. It gives you some oh, sort man. of like jolt, I think. Um if you're a nerd, like most of us are, <laughs> and um
3: f- it's true feeling it's, like you invested
1: the rest of the class. Uh but no, I, I was just really impressed throughout the series with her character arc and, and development. And just as we were talking about earlier, how integral she is to the success of the trio in every single book without her there. I think it was you, Laura, who said Harry and Ron would not have made it past the first book. So,
2: Oh, they would have got dead super fast. <laughs> Super fast. Super
3: fast. Got dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. If if not, if they actually made it to the like trap door, Ron would have died at the Devil's Snare, and Harry would have died drinking poison potion. <laughs> um, or maybe the chess kiss. Ron would have died before, but yeah.
1: And I will. Uh, it. The other thing I'll just add to I, I know we all identify with Harry in his story, or at least a lot of us tend to, and sort of his journey into the wizarding world. But it's actually Hermione who most of us are like, because if we got the chance mm-hmm. to go to Hogwarts, we would be muggles in the wizarding world, just like she is. So I think we actually True. have more of a connection to her than we do to Harry. Good That's observation. Good
2: yeah, and I will say I don't know if you guys ever remember the early days of fandom when people had their, you know, Zanga, Harry Potter sites where you could go get sorted um you know, or even like pl- like play on a message board. I don't know if any of y'all ever did that, but oftentimes in those kinds of role-playing games, they would ask you to identify your blood status like are you Muggle-born? Are you Half-Blood? Are you Pure-Blood? Pure oh. And I always said Muggle-born because Hermione was the character that I identified with the most from the books.
1: Hmm. Very cool. And of
0: course, on my hit Harry Potter fan site, Harry Potter's <laughs> House, you could join SPEW and I would email each person <laughs> who joined and I said, Hermione and I appreciate your help. Oh,
2: <laughs> That's really cute. I love everything about that. Yeah. Okay, well, we're gonna jump into some uh, top Hermione moments. I decided because seven is such a big number to make it the top seven Hermione moments in books one through seven. Obviously, there are way more than seven top moments for Hermione. So if there are any uh, items here that we'd like to debate, we certainly can. Um, But just running through these, you know, starting with book seven, sacrificing her parents memory of her. To keep them safe while she saved the world. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. Andrew, you should have the ding playing after like each one of these. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dumbledore's army formation and the subsequent protection of its members with the sneak hex that was put or was it a jinx that was put on the parchment?
3: That's the too much gene right there. Yeah. Nobody asked for that <laughs> permanent acne. <laughs>
2: uh capturing rita skeeter and blackmailing her for harry's benefit
3: (laughs) awesome she should have done that twice it's so good
2: figuring out lupin's status as a werewolf and keeping it secret because she is a boss and i'm not going to say the word that comes after that because kids listen to this show but she's a boss
1: we can bleep it
2: ding 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 great ally um, Being a 13-year-old, time-manipulating, witch, sorceress, <laughs> what have you. <laughs> I'm glad is. she pulled it off, yep. but risky! Uh, yeah, risky. whatever
3: completely lackluster and inappropriate safeguards were in place to make sure that only smart people got that uh, honor, she blew through them all. So congratulations for <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: Giving Harry and Ron the answer to the basilisk problem from beyond petrification... She's literally (laughs) petrified and she's holding the answer in her hand.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What did the note say again? Pipes. 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 Uh,
2: And then finally, something that got brought up earlier in this episode, setting Snape on fire. (laughs) Pretty badass. You got to give it to her.
0: (laughs) That's yeah, that's gutsy. Definitely (laughs) gutsy. So I thought it'd be fun because we like doing impressions on this show. From the Harry Potter movies in particular, that we each do our best Hermione impression with a single classic line, ideally from Sorcerer's Stone, since the 20th anniversary of that movie is coming up. So here's my line. I, I think about it all the time and I have no reason to. It's just classic. <laughs> now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed or worse expelled
2: is that your 11 year old British accent
0: <laughs> yeah i wanted to make it sound more like hermione it didn't really it, it wasn't high enough but i'm just getting You're older
3: trying so. to make it
2: authentic we yeah need,
3: I, I hope the listeners are at home are giving the response lines to each of these quotes I that know. we're about to, to do
2: <laughs> she really needs to sort out her priorities, so her priorities. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we i think we just heard like 500 listeners say it out loud uh-huh,
2: probably uh-huh. Uh, mine is also from Sorcerer's Stone when she says Ron, you don't suppose this is going to be like real wizard's chest, do you?
3: <laughs> to which the response is yeah. yes Hermione
2: I think this is going to be <laughs> exactly, exactly
3: like <laughs> wizard's chest 5 <95. laughs> I think about that one all the time too Oh that <laughs> one's on TikTok
2: If it were 2021, Ron would be like yeah we're about to get wrecked <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right all right micah i I might change mine up here but i'll go with it's leviosa not leviosa (laughs) sorry i can only go so uh
0: no it's fine it's been repurposed so many times too
2: yeah Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, i can't think of a
3: specific example okay well and here's one of course i picked the longest but i like my impressions so here we go are you sure that's a real spell? Well, it's not very good, is it? Of course, I've only tried a few simple ones myself, but they've all worked for me. For example, Oculus Reparo. That's better, isn't it? Holy cricket, you're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. And you are? <laughs> that was very mature, Hermione. Poor Ron. Oh,
2: thanks.
0: Poor Pot. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm Ron. Ron. Your future husband. Ron.
0: Easy. You'll love me one day. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a fun and insightful discussion. If you have any feedback about today's Hermione chat, you can contact us by writing directly or sending a voice message to MuggleCast at gmail.com. For the latter, just record a message using the Voice Memo app on your phone. You can also use the contact form on MuggleCast.com to get in touch, or you can leave a voicemail on our phone. The number is one nine two zero three 3 muggle That's one 368 4453 And actually, we're not done talking about Hermione yet, because in bonus MuggleCast today on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash MuggleCast, we're going to talk about does Hermione have a best friend? Yeah. Laura was wondering this with one of her friends. Yeah,
2: so I got to give credit <laughs> to my friend Ashley for this oh, question. This, because I thought that was a joke. I, no, no, no. I, <laughs> I was having a conversation with my friend Ashley about this. And I was like, yeah, we're doing a Hermione episode this week. And she was like, oh, you have to ask the question, does Hermione have a best friend? So I'm really excited to dig into this in bonus
0: I'm really sad thinking about that too. And we have some other Hermione ideas that we'll get to in future episodes. Mm -hmm. But again, This question will be answered on our Patreon this week, patreon.com slash MuggleCast. One of the benefits is bonus MuggleCast. We record additional MuggleCast segments and release them exclusively for patrons. And then when you become a patron, you actually get this custom RSS feed made just for you that you can pop into most podcasting apps so you can listen to our bonus material as well as MuggleCast ad-free in your favorite podcast app. It's super easy and very convenient, so you don't have to go to Patreon to listen to all that. It's time for quizage.
3: <laughs> All right, here we go. Big, <laughs> big, big question for everybody: Who is the main character in the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them films? It was last week's quizits question. Is there any? And, is that even a question? You know what I'm going to say, right? Uh, what are you going to say, Micah?
1: Yusuf Kama.
3: Yusuf Kama. Well, Yusuf Kama was a popular answer. Uh, popular. Correct answer, Crackpot Beery. There we go. Thank God somebody else submitted use of comma. Um, Okay, so answers that we know, again, wrong answers only. were So every wrong answer was the correct answer. But some correct answers then of note include Pickett is the main character with Dougal as the sidekick. Bunty, of course. The cousin of Newt's Niffler. Pastry's the Niffler. Cute little Niffler. Enobi Darkness, Dementia Raven's Way. Uh, Elmo from Sesame Street The Double Ended Newt Frodo Baggins My Disappointment The Rumpet The Billywig The gosh darn missing Billywig That they never bothered to explain The Prime Minister of Australia The Feather on Yusuf's Hat That might be my favorite one And uh, last one but not least for now Cornelius Fudge as a kid That's a twist Can't wait to meet him in The Secrets of Dumbledore <laughs> no that'll
0: be in the secrets of fudge maybe yeah. four
3: okay here we go a little bit more traditional main question for next week's quizage you guessed it it's hermione themed next week's question these splintery treats were considered by hermione for her parents while in honeydukes what were the treats and submit your answer to us on the MuggleCast website, MuggleCast.com slash and you'll get your name read on the show. A couple other reminders.
0: Make sure you're following MuggleCast for free in your favorite podcast app. And leave us a review if they allow you to. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Our username is MuggleCast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter we're posting a lot of fun stuff on there. So don't miss out. Please do follow us, especially if you're on Instagram. We're trying to get up to 10,000 followers because once we do that, we get to post the links in our stories. Ooh. Help us reach that. I, we, we've we got more than 10,000 listeners. So please follow us on MuggleCast. That's Andrew's listener challenge for the week.
1: And, it, and you're doing it on International Podcast Day. So what better day to ask for it? Perfect, perfect. This
0: episode's coming out in like five days, though, but that's That's okay. okay. That's okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric.
1: I'm Micah.
2: And I'm Laura. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.